Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. Well, I do love Christmas. How about you? Uh, I love the music. I love the food. I love uh, the carol singing. I love the food. (laughs) I like the lights and the decoration. Uh, I like the time with family. Um, I I like Christmas movies, do you? Oh, they're good. I was thinking of a few. Uh, White Christmas. Anybody a fan of White Christmas? I had actually not shown, my girls had not seen that. And I thought, what have I done? So I started it one night and probably about, oh no, about 45 minutes in, I looked around and I was the only one still watching it. Where'd they go? You know the song, I'm Dreaming of a... Uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Has everybody seen It's a Wonderful Life yet? It's good. If you haven't, let this be the year. It's time. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. You know what I'm talking about. How about Elf? Anybody watch Elf? Yeah, that one's hilarious. I don't know that I would put it on the same level as the previous two that I mentioned at all, but it is hilarious. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups, right? Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. You know, the basics, the staples of a healthy diet. Or you probably remember this guy, A Christmas Story. Anybody see that one? That one is definitely a classic. All that kid wanted was a BB gun, for goodness sakes. And he just gets grief about it, like the whole, you'll shoot your eye out, right? Now, I, I, see, I grew up hunting and stuff, and I just remember watching the movie and going, who in the world would be such a bad shot that <laughs> you would literally shoot your own eye out? That guy would. There's a raging debate about this one, whether or not it's actually a Christmas movie. But if you go out onto the social media, <laughs> die hard. Is it a Christmas movie? (laughs) Bruce Willis said no. (laughs) I mean, for whatever that that settles for you, there you go. But if you go on social media, I watch people get emotional about this thing. And I'm like, you've got to find a life. I mean, come on, it's a flick, for goodness sakes. What, What is the best Christmas movie of all time? I had to think about this a little bit. Uh, because uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, that's probably up there. I mean, that one is outstanding if you haven't watched it. Michael Caine should have gotten an Academy Award for his performance with Kermit and the gang. It was outstanding. But I settled on The Grinch. I think it's The Grinch. Oh, stop it. You, <laughs> you know I'm right. The Grinch. And I'm talking about the old one with Boris Karloff and his deep voice singing. You know what I'm talking about? Well, we probably all actually have our favorite, but this is objectively the right one. You can just go. (laughs) I love them. I love Christmas movies. Um, A couple of years ago, around Christmas time, I made fun of Hallmark movies for a little while on Sunday mornings. And uh, one of you, I still don't know who, I came in my office and there was a Hallmark uh, sweater actually on my desk and a pair of Hallmark socks with a note saying, you can wear this while you watch a Hallmark movie. And I made a promise that year. I said, I'll actually watch a Hallmark movie. And I did, I watched one. 
And it, I, I'm a man of my word. It was late night and I wasn't sleeping. So I was like, well, I said I would, so let's do it. And so I turned one on and it had to do with some love story. There was actually time travel involved. And I did my doctorate in philosophy. One of the things you have to study is theories of time. And I was distracted the whole movie because they couldn't get the theories of time right. And so, you know, I couldn't get into the feels because I was so distracted. But then I started doing a little research on Hallmark. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> we have any Hallmark movie watchers out there? Don't let me, all right. all right. There's more than the hands that went up, but now you're embarrassed <laughs> and that's okay. They, they have, one person said they have the winning recipe. They have snow, they have romance, and they have a happy ending. Good for Hallmark. And by the way, they're totally cashing in on it. And if you don't think it's about the cash, stop it. Uh, in 2010, they made six Hallmark movies about Christmas. Did you know that? I did a little research for you. There were six of them. And it's increased every year since then. How many Hallmark movies are there this year? And the answer is 40. There are 40 Hallmark movies. Um, and that means that you could watch a Hallmark movie for three days straight if you wanted to go on a binge. I'm not recommending it, but you can literally watch for three days straight. When I was thinking about it, here we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. I, I don't know that the story in the Bible would actually fit for a Hallmark movie. And the reason is it's just too real. It's just too messy. That's what I want us to look at today. Some of the people in the story surrounding the birth of Jesus. You think about Mary. Uh, you know, Mary said yes to a very specific request from the Lord, probably a teenager. Some scholars would even say an early teenager, already engaged to Joseph. Now in the ancient Near East, this is kind of the way that weddings would work. There'd be an agreement between families. So it would be like Wendy's family, her mom and dad, talking with my mom and dad and saying, hey, let's get these two together. Now, once there's an agreement between the families, there's a dowry that's exchanged. More or less, that would mean my family giving her family some cash and they would hold it. There was also a time of betrothal. And in the time of betrothal, what would happen is I would have a particular responsibility to go and start preparing the home so that it would be ready for when Wendy would, would, would come under my care. In the year of betrothal, she and I would have been legally married back in the ancient Near East, even though we were not living together, nor had we consummated the relationship. It's a time of preparation. For Joseph and Mary, this is the time of preparation. So they legally, they are married, they're anticipating a wedding, and then an angel shows up and throws a wrench into the whole plan. And that's just where the Hallmark thing goes away, right? You see this in Luke chapter one, verses 30 to 32. But an angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Uh, can you imagine what this moment is like for her? Do you think her head is spinning a little bit? Because if not, you're not thinking about what this girl's going through. And what about Joseph? You think she's wondering what this guy is going to think, especially when she tells him the news? Do you, think that, do you think that she thought, you know, Joseph's gonna believe me when I tell him what's going on here. You know, Joe, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. I haven't been with another man. 
What do you think she thinks Joseph is really going to think? I mean, he knows the way that pregnancy works. And in fact, when the message was revealed to him, he's like, ah, how's this work? How's this work? You imagine that there's a lot going on in her mind. And what this means is that Mary, at least what she's thinking, I can probably kiss this marriage goodbye. This, is, this thing is done. Joseph is gonna get rid of me and I'm gonna be a single mom raising a child born out of wedlock. And because of that, I'm gonna be a social pariah. The people just aren't going to receive me. It's gonna be a scandal. I'm gonna be called names. And her boy will grow up being called a mamzer, a child whose parents are not married, which in that day and time was highly derogatory. All languages have a word for a mamzer, by the way, and there isn't one of them that's actually good. All of this, for her, could also mean poverty. She would have no place. You think that she's feeling the weight of the moment? Because I think she did. And yet her response in Luke chapter one, verse 38, is this. In spite of knowing all of this, the way that the culture around her works, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then it says, the angel left her. See, so Mary said yes in this moment, and that was her entrance into the Christmas story. Now, she was worried about Joseph, right? Well, how did he react? Well, eventually he said yes, just like Mary did. However, his first thought was, I think I'm gonna divorce this girl. It's just too much. It's just too much. But then in Matthew chapter one, verses 20 and 21, it says, but after he had considered this, you picture this for Joseph a little bit. After he had considered this, he's considering everything that they are gonna go through or possibly go through. He gets the news. He's like, I need to go sit down for a little while. But after he had considered all of this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You imagine the questions going in Joseph's mind after this interaction. If he takes Mary as his wife, people are still gonna talk. He's like, what's the winning scenario for me here? And I don't know that I've got one. They're gonna assume that they've been having sex. People will just assume it. They were intimate before they were married and that Joseph is an immoral man and that his name in the town and in the surrounding area would have a stain on it. His reputation would suffer. Maybe his business would suffer too. And yet, in spite of all of this, Joseph said, let's do it. Let's do it. I imagine in that moment, that was quite a relief to Mary. What do you think? So Joseph and Mary both knew that it would be difficult when they said to God, yes to God, but you know what they didn't know? They didn't know how difficult it was going to be. All of the concerns that were pressing in on them, that was re really just a tip of the iceberg of the things that were waiting for them in following God in obedience and to be a blessing to the people. I mean, think about it. They didn't know that they would be forced by the Roman government to travel 90 miles on foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem in the final stages of Mary's pregnancy. Ladies, just gonna ask this real quick. Does anybody wanna hike 90 miles in say like your 38th week of pregnancy? I'm gonna guess no, but they got to. So they have this long journey by foot for a woman that's very pregnant. Joseph's sitting, you know why they were having to go? 
is because there was a census. And do you know why they take a census? Is so they can tax you. That's why they do it. So Joseph is sitting there going, I'm traveling with a very pregnant woman. And when I get to where I'm going, good news, I get to pay taxes. A little bit going on here. They didn't know that when they got to Bethlehem, there would be no room for them. They didn't know that. And that they would be forced to camp out in a stable with animals surrounding them. And when you think about it, they were going over to Bethlehem for a reason. This is where they're from. That's where their family is at. So when it says that there's no place for them, that means that they get there and even the family goes, I don't know, we're out of space. You're going to have to find another spot. They didn't know that that was coming. They didn't know that King Herod in Jerusalem would want to murder their baby and that they would have to run for their lives in the middle of the night. They didn't know that that was coming. They, they didn't know that they would start their life as a family, as homeless refugees in Egypt, until King Herod died. They didn't know that was coming either. Like I said, this wouldn't actually fit the script of a Hallmark movie. Is that fair? I mean, it is just one thing after another for them, and all because they said, Yes to God. It was worth it. So Mary says yes. Joseph says yes. But did you know in this story, in all of it, the reason that it's even happening is because God was saying yes to us. He was saying yes to us. You think about Christmas. At Christmas, God said yes to sending Jesus to the world. He said yes to becoming one of us. He said yes to taking on our humanity. Jesus said yes to suffering. He said yes to dying. He said yes to a Roman cross. He said yes to a borrowed grave. He said yes to all of those things. He said yes to saving me and you. He said yes to putting the world back together because it was broken. He said yes to offering you eternal life. He said yes to all of it. In 2 Peter 1, 4, it says, and because of his glory and his excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and to escape the world's corruption that is caused by human desires. He said yes to all of this. Friends, we're reminded of something this morning, and it's that you can be as close as you want to be to God right now. James 4, 8 tells us that. You draw near to God, he draws near to you. You can be as close to God as you want to be right now. One of my all-time favorite letters to Santa said this. Dear Santa, there are three little boys who live at our house. There's Jeffrey, he's two. There's David, he's four. And there's Norman, and he's seven. Jeffrey's good some of the time. David is good some of the time, but Norman is good all the time, and I'm Norman. <laughs> That's quite the letter, don't you think? I remember teasing the girls uh, some years ago. We were sitting down, and I said, you know, going to have to take a look at this last year, see how you did. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> right. And one of the girls goes, yeah, well, it's your turn, too. <laughs> And she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. You know, you think about this letter from Norman. Wouldn't it be great to be a Norman? Literally. No mistakes. None. The problem is just not us. It literally isn't anybody. No mistakes. I do want to tell you this, though. 
but there is grace. There are mistakes and there is grace. And there are the promises that come with grace. They're the promises that come with it. Think about it. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. See, we, we pursue God because he's beautiful. And because he's good. And because he loves us. Not for all, of, all the benefits that are perceived. The, the way that 2 Corinthians 1.20 is saying, that's just something that God wants to bless you with. But the great gift of Christmas is God himself. Here's what he said yes to. Deeply loved, yes. Deeply forgiven for everything, yes. Completely accepted by God, yes. Reconciled with God, we're friends again, and the answer is yes. Full and free, confident access to God any time that we call out to him, and the answer is yes reconciled with other people and healing in my relationships? And the answer is yes. Mercy when I fail? The answer is yes. Strength when I need it? And the answer is yes. Wisdom for the journey? The answer is yes. Patience when I am being tried? The answer is yes. Peace no matter what is going on around me? The answer is yes inexpressible joy because of it? And the answer is yes. A life that is filled with meaning and purpose. I'm caught up in something that is bigger than myself. And the answer is yes. Justice for all the injustice in the world. And the answer is yes. Healing for the sick. The answer is yes. Everything put back to rights one day, and the answer is yes. And the hope that the best is yet to come, and the answer is still what? It is yes. He said yes to all of this, to all of this, and why? The only reason that I can think of is not because I or we are so great, but because he loves us. That's the why. That's the kind of thing that love does. A little over a year ago, I was doing the funeral of one of our church members, and in preparation for that funeral, and I was reading through a number of things, but there was one thing. Uh, it was a uh, reflection on the 23rd Psalm that I thought was just so beautiful, especially when you consider the part in Psalm 23 that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or another way of translating that is, even though I'm going through a valley of deep darkness, that part. There's a guy named Kenneth Wilson, and he wrote this, because I think it helps to give you a snapshot of the beauty of God's presence with us, something that we should never take for granted. Here's what he said, and let me read it for you this morning. He tells of growing up in Pittsburgh, and here's what he said. That house in which we lived on the side of one of Pittsburgh's hills was three stories high in front and four in the back. The bottom layer was the cellar and the top was what we called the third floor, really the a finished attic. The ceiling of which was cut into shadowed geometric shapes by dormer windows. Up there were two bedrooms, a hallway, and a mysterious storage room for trunks that always smelled of mothballs and our family history. Our family slept there because the second floor was usually rented out uh, to a tenant so that we could pay the rent. 
What was unnerving for Kenneth was that as the youngest, he had to go to bed first and braving that floor of dark bedrooms. Here's what he said. That bed in that room on the third floor seemed to be at the end of the earth, remote from human habitation, close to unexplained noises and dark secrets. At my urging, my father would try to stop the windows from rattling, wedging wooden matchsticks into the cracks, but they always rattled in spite of his best efforts. Sometimes he would read me a story, but inevitably the time would come when he would turn out the light and shut the door and I would hear his steps on the stairs growing fainter and fainter. He was like, you could hear the, the, the as he walked away. He's like, and my imagination just went wild. And then everything would be quiet except for the rattling windows and my imagination. That wasn't quiet. He said, but once I remember my father who said this, he said, would you... Rather I leave the light on and go downstairs or turn the light out and stay with you for a while. And this was his response. He said, I chose his presence with darkness over absence with light. And here's what Kenneth Wilson went on to say. Isn't, isn't that what we really want most in our valleys? The assurance that someone is there. See, this is Christmas. We have the assurance that someone is with us. When you consider the ark of scripture, here's what it says. It says that there are none who seek God. Not one in this room did. And in spite of that reality, he says, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. That's what Christmas is really about. That's the story of his beauty and his grace. And I'm reminded of this truth because of something that Jerry Bridges said a long time ago. He said, our worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Grace is what it is all about. God's favor. Nothing that we ever earned or deserved, but because he loves us. This morning... The question is, just are you going to receive it? Not as the offer extended to you, not as the offer of reconciliation with him given to you this morning. It's been given to you every day of your life. And the fact that you're here is proof that his mercies are new. He didn't owe us this day. He said, here you go. It's a gift. The question this morning isn't, is that how God loves us? The question this morning is, how do you want to respond to the love of God as he's extended it to you? We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.